Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to a reload of the What's Next podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I always like to bring those ones back that had a huge impact, not only on myself, but I got a lot of feedback from listeners just like you. I hope you enjoy this week's reload of the What's Next podcast. Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Tom Stuckham today. He is a passionate champion of disruptive technologies. Tom began his career as an associate at BCG, immersed in the shift to big box retail. He later served as president of Ticketmaster.com, where he helped lead the transition to online ticketing. Then as CEO of Ancestry.com, he built one of the internet's first online content subscription businesses. Today, as CEO of Expert Voice, Tom leads the company in pioneering a new influencer marketing category that's transforming commerce. He's devoted to the mission of creating a better buying experience for brands, retailers, and consumers through a large network of authentic, influential experts who make trusted recommendations. Welcome, Tom, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to get into this whole sort of going from consulting BCG as in Boston Consulting Group to Ticketmaster to Ancestry. Like what a, I can't wait to talk about that journey. Uh, Couldn't be sort of three very different things. Um, But before we get into that, uh, I always start out my podcast with something I call bullish and bearish. Bullish is you're really for something. Bearish is you're against it. Uh, Hopefully nothing too painful. Are you ready? (laughs) Go. All right. We'll start out with some easy ones. First one. Robots will need to do DNA testing. Oh my. <laughs> Wait, DNA testing on the robots or they on do the it for it? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, bearish. All right. I was thinking more like, you know, where did they come from, right? So some robots yes. walking down the street. So the yeah. DNA testing may be, where were you built? Who knows? Uh-huh. You yep. never know. And, you know, and will they have, and will they have, you know, sort of ancestry? Very fascinating. Yeah. 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 All right. And, and, or will it really just be about, well, what can you do for me right now? Maybe. Maybe. All right. The next one. Virtual reality concert going. Oh, bullish, actually. Oh. Mind-bendingly bullish. Can't believe oh. Marshmallow uh, uh, on, on Fortnite. Uh, that was incredible. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> For the, for the visuals. So now you have to tell, you'll have to tell everybody the uh, marshmallow story. So hold that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the next one uh, is that the best sales force, two words, is customers advocating on a brand's behalf. Yeah. Overwhelmingly bullish. And all so right. right on its face. Yeah. Excellent. Well, those, see, sort of softball. Everyone gets a little nervous thinking I'm going to talk about religion and politics, but I go way soft. Like it's just the fun stuff. So I'm, I'm dying to, to hear the uh, marshmallow story. So maybe we can start with sort of Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster was one of those very early disruptors in an industry that had been uh, you know, fairly consistent over you know, many, many decades. I mean, concert going's been around forever. We're just about to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. So you know, we've been doing this a long time. But talk us through sort of how you know, Ticketmaster was able to be successful and then maybe end that story with Marshmallow and virtual reality. Yeah. So look, uh, 
Ticketmaster has been around for a long time and uh, had done a number of really interesting things uh, as a ticketing systems company first to help venues and promoters and artists um, really uh, sell tickets and manage uh, uh, tickets and venues at scale. Great. But then with the advent of the internet, um, uh, one of the biggest things had to do with how, how do you get tickets in the hands of people who really most want them? Uh, how do you do it in a way that is is the most fair? And how do you enable people who might have tickets that they can't use to resell them? It's interesting to me how unanswered all of those questions still are at some level and yet how much better the answers are today than they were, um, you know, 20 years ago. But uh, uh, we went at Ticketmaster. I, I got there after many great people had really built an incredible company. Um, but at the time, uh, this is now in the late 90s, Ticketmaster was selling a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of tickets a month uh, online, mostly via AOL. And the question was, could we sell a lot of a lot more tickets via the internet? It sure felt to me like the internet was built to to sell tickets, and uh, it turned out we could. Eighteen months later, we were selling a hundred million dollars worth of tickets every month on the internet. So from two hundred thousand a month to a hundred million a month in about eighteen months, and uh, uh, the world's never looked back. Um, and, uh, there's still so much more to do to make, uh, tickets more accessible in ways that are, are fair and effective to make it so that, um, tickets can be, uh, uh, sold. You know, it used to be if you lost your ticket, it didn't exist anymore. You didn't go to the concert. Uh, and today, of course, it, it's a barcode. It's a digital token that you can move from one person to another and, uh, uh, lots that's still interesting. What that ticketing experience means for virtual ticketing uh, 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 or virtual events, I I don't know. It blows my mind. It blows my mind to the extent that um, you know Marshmallow can p do a virtual concert inside of uh, a Fortnite, and that millions of people show up for the event. Uh, uh, that, that just, I, if you had told me the day before that that's what was going to happen, I would have thought you were a little crazy and yet that's what happened. And I think that that's really the message there, right? Is that I think everybody, and I know you spend quite a bit of time on sort of the changing consumer landscape and a lot around retail and things like that, that, you know, it's really about just imagining what's possible with what technology now gives us, you know, it used to be, you did that it this way and we've always done it that way. And it doesn't mean it's the right way going forward. And it doesn't mean that the new way wipes out the old way. It just means, is there an additional way we can do things as a brand to connect with customers uh, in a different way and, and kind of the way they want to buy. I mean, I think I see usage, usage of specifically when you're talking about tickets, where it's been more segmented now. Now brands can say, hey, we've got this reserved set of tickets for you because you're a loyal customer or you use our credit card or, you know, whatever it might be. And getting much smarter about then saying, you know, how do you uh, make sure that your 
coming at someone who enjoys a certain genre of music and staying in front of them. And, you know, kind of all that segmentation, I think Ticketmaster was also really early in some of the, that thinking. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and still, uh, keeps on working on that. And, and, uh, uh, if it's, uh, if anything has happened over the last 20 years in that general music, entertainment, event, uh, including athletic events, it's just clear that there are, uh, like in the rest of our lives, more and more segments, um, more and more products to choose among uh, with more and more subtle differences. And yet the differences matter a lot. And uh, people who are passionate and excited about their team or their band or their um, uh, the type of music they love uh, really, really love it and, uh, you know, help me find my way to, to have uh, better experiences that are worth the money uh, and connect me with the brands and music and, and teams and, and experiences I love. So I'm guessing there was something, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm you, right. And you say, okay, I'm the president of Ticketmaster. We're doing all these things that are really cool. And all of a sudden something called ancestry.com shows up. Yeah. And, and, you know, something had to be intriguing to get you to say, huh, like that's once again, going back to this being very progressive of using technology in really new ways, the experience, like if you were to say, well, if you had asked me yesterday, if some company would stand up and take people's DNA and then enter it into this massive database, you'd think they were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Like, you know, I, so many stories on that front. So t look first, um, we, even Ticketmaster, the, the predecessor to that was we were trying to build a company called city search and, and really make the internet local, make it effective for the person to find out about what was happening in their neighborhood or, or nearby. Um, this is back in the days when most of your local information you were getting through the yellow pages to look up a business nearby through uh, 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 local advertising in, in newspapers and things like that. Um, and frankly, in not very good ways compared to the ways you can access it today. So we'd started with City Search, and that's really what made me and us think, well, tickets and the events that tickets are for, that's a very local activity. We should do more with that. That's how we got to, to Ticketmaster. We also um, bought a, a tiny little company at the time uh, called Match.com, uh, which was doing uh, – taking something that had been in newspapers, personals, and moving it online. And uh, we were building a subscription business around that. And uh, the way that I got involved with Ancestry is uh, some people who were investing in, in Ancestry at the time, uh, this is now late 90s, uh, saw one of the other meaningful subscription businesses online, uh, the the this personals subscription business wondered if I knew anything about it and called to ask me some questions about it and then wound up saying, Hey, well, we've got this small subscription business here in ancestry. Would you come help us with it? And so, uh, I turned out, I was fascinated by what they had already built and what they had the potential to build. And I wound up, uh, moving from LA to Utah to, to, to run it. And uh, it's still one of the most remarkable businesses as a business, as a business leader that I know of. It, it has a dominant 
leadership position in its market segment. It um, makes a, a remarkable profit, and it does a good thing for the world. Uh, th- that's a rare combination to find in any business, and yet that business did all those things, and I loved it. Um, uh, and it was just about you know how how can you build a subscription business where you're constantly adding more and more value every day because of the information you're making available online in a way that helps consumers connect to their past and and their relatives more deeply. Um, I, I, I loved that. With respect specifically to DNA, um, uh, we... You know, all the way back in the early 2000s, we thought, well, gosh, would there be a product? Could we do this and add this kind of dimension to uh, 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 learning about your your ancestry? And one of my favorite stories to tell, one of the things that was funniest, we went to the then leaders, the then scientific pioneers in doing ancestry-related DNA testing, some folks at UCSF, for example. And we said, hey, could we together, could we work together to make a product out of this? And they said, um, we definitely could. So much that's interesting. But you have to understand that for one in 10 people, uh, their genetic ancestry uh, is different than, than, their, uh, than what they've always believed. For one in 10 people, either dad or mom isn't dad or mom. And I said, What? Are you serious? Uh, I, I couldn't quite believe it, but it's still uh, interesting and fascinating to me, all the stories that come out of, of that genetic DNA uh, testing and how it may not match with what the records say and what people have done in research and the interesting twists and turns that brings up. It kind of comes back to your initial you know, question out of the gate about DNA on robots um, uh, and you know, are they really who they they say they are, or are they really doing what they're saying they're doing? And and that's true of technology in general. Yeah, and I think what's what's really great about this is that I feel like although many people sense social media has isolated people, I think it's also really pulled people together because it's now it's sort of like, well, I want to know how I fit in this world, and I think that that this is a big generational thing. You know, so I went to my 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 dad has passed and so i said you know i i have to go to his brother you know for me to get the closest i can to my father right yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. and that generation not so interested right um my mom wasn't you know she's just sort of like i know all the stories right um uh, but it, it's great to see that people care more about well you know who am i and how do i fit in and, and may give this great uh, ability for this kind of equality for all, right? This we're more alike than we are different, uh, especially in sort of this recent temperature on a global basis. I think that there's lots of good that can come out of it, but to your point, it also can uncover. I think one of even the things you say where they say online is, you know, we, we can't undo whatever we learn. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I can't take it back. So, you know, if you're, if you're in, then, then you got, then you got to be in. And, um, and I think also just the shift towards being more preventative from a health perspective than a uh, treating, right? Trying to get ahead of whatever it might be so you can make different and better decisions about yourself. Oh my gosh. The, the amount of 
um, potential that still is in its earliest, earliest days that have to do with knowing um, uh, what your uh, ancestry is, whom you're related to, what that means about not just health risks, but the best ways uh, genetically uh, to treat things that that you may deal with. It's uh, uh, still, uh, it's still all of that has so much potential, uh, and to actually cause us to do more, to learn from each other, um, uh, be healthier, be better citizens in the world. But now I'm getting a little too idealistic. But it, it just it's <laughs> it I, I, it's a it's a great big field, and and it's still uh, in its relative infancy. Well, so now this is a uh, great segue to, you know, sort of your new passion, which is all about sort of influencer marketing, right? Which you were very bullish on your answer and, you know, really just thinking about um, that category and how it can transform brands and, and kind of how marketing, I'm guessing part of this and part of your, you know, interest in it is this shifting in the way people market and sell. If you think about, you know, a band way back and Ticketmaster, like how they, you know, that was really kind of concerts was the only way they made money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then you had, well, now we're going to stream music and what does that mean to the bands and, you know, kind of all this big disruption, but people now with the platform of social and the internet, et cetera, have this ability to share information so quickly, uh, both positive and negative that using whether structured or unstructured influencers is becoming more and more important for marketers, but also for, for brands. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, let me, let me touch on a, a few big things that have happened over the past several years. So first of all, um, you know, you could uh, argue well that um, the advent of television broadcast media really gave rise to the field of advertising. Um, that uh, the fact that so many people were watching the same thing at the same time made it uh, created a venue for, and in fact made it uh, possible for it to be critical that uh, there was advertising and that good brands knew how to do a good job of of marketing advertising on their own behalf on a medium like television. Well, the advent of the internet, where um, everything is so segmented. There is no, you know, giant single source of information the way that that networks were. Um, has opened up the opportunity, really, for the opposite to to find out information not directly from a brand and not from one big um, central broadcast point, but in fact from individuals and individuals whom you trust, um, and. Uh, ironically, in its early days, the whole world of quote unquote influencer marketing, which has mostly been about uh, brands trying to find people who do have a big platform, who do have a whole, whole lot of followers, are as close as the brands uh, knew to something like a high ratings uh, TV show. And just paying those people to say something, well, that's uh, taking an old paradigm, the, the advertising network paradigm, and using it in the wrong way, um, uh, trying to 
just pay people to say whatever in a way that undermines trust and in fact causes consumers to be even less likely to listen to and to trust a message they perceive as coming directly from a brand. Uh, and yet the reality of our time is the same as it's always been um, uh, in the sense that consumers need help deciding what to buy. They do need information to make better decisions. In fact, they need it more than ever. There are more products with more subtle differences, more noise out there about uh, uh, what are the what are the products, and the consumers left with the question of, well, wait, what's the right product for me? And done correctly, um, uh, brands connecting with individuals who are more knowledgeable, more experienced, more aspirational for the consumer, and then empowering those people to speak on behalf of the brand in a way that uh, helps a consumer make a better buying decision. That is the, the opportunity for brands and for consumers um, that really gets us to a place where all of us have more information, more trust, uh, and a better ability to decide how to spend our hard-earned money and, and, and have lives that are more interesting because of the products and, and, and things we participate in. Well, so I, I think also that, that, you know, regardless of whose research you look at, you know, when a consumer is looking to either, you know, acquire a new product or use a new service, that the first place they go is actually kind of, you know, peer reviews or, you know, what have people said about that, that kind of unstructured influencing. Yep. That's exactly right. And, you know, and more so than going to the brand's website, you know, or listening to something from the brand directly because they feel like, well, of course they're going to say it's great. So let me go to other people, which, you know, the recommendation engine and ratings have been proven by, you know, many online retailers. Um, it's being huge to influence someone to go well, this brand over that brand because it got three stars and that one got four and a half stars, right? And so that that kind of we've we've now become very accustomed to it. But then we've also had the reverse of that where feel like there's also a crisis of trust in some of that influence, right? You know, yeah. Is it real? Is it face it? So how do you help people navigate that, that kind of crisis of trust? Well, first, that's so real, that crisis of trust. And there are people, they, they tend to be people with really big followings who are just saying what they've been paid to say. Uh, so, you know, I don't trust a brand when it's speaking on its own behalf. I don't trust someone with a huge following when they're saying something. I trust uh, people I know, people I can see their experience, people I know are passionate about. I can see some kind of evidence of their of their passion and experience with a product. And I, I can find out uh, not by going through hundreds and hundreds of online reviews, but but just focus on the information from a few people who, whom I can trust who really put stuff in context for me. And, uh, you know, from I'm I'm really confident that the future of better buying, the future of of commerce that works more effectively for consumers and ultimately for brands, um, has to do with this kind of uh, better information from more trusted, more reliable, more knowledgeable people, uh, and uh, it just helps me make better decisions about what to buy. So the the, the broad heading influencer marketing it already means some some bad things, some things that shouldn't be trusted and some really good things. Um, 
but it's going to come to mean uh, a much better set of recommendations that are more informed, uh, uh, more based on experience, put things in context and help me, the consumer, make better decisions about what to buy. And the brands that win in this space are going to recognize that brands can't do nearly as much to sell on their own behalf as they used to, uh, and that they need to get other people, trusted, knowledgeable, experienced people, um, selling on their behalf through better recommendations and trusted influence. Yeah, and, I, and you start to see brands thinking differently about that. I think there was just an announcement a number of months back about Walmart working more closely with influencers and very micro kind of websites, right? And and trying to say, well, exactly. that's the way people do it externally. And so how do we try to get more control over what that looks like, right? Versus it kind of being very ad hoc, letting the ad hoc continue. Yeah. But thinking differently about how do we actually create our own little influencer community on our own property, which kind of as a peer, you know, peer to peer kind of review engine um, so that you can have a, a little bit more visibility. Because I also think there's a great amount, I'm making an assumption here, I'd love to hear your opinion. It, there's a great amount of information and data and insights in those comments from quote unquote, you know, influencers yeah. that, that may be blind spots for particular brands. And so social listening to the influencer community may maybe another uh, way to improve, you know, the usage. You're, ex of, you're of exactly it. right. You're exactly right. Um, look, the, the thing to put at the center always is the trust. Really, truly, period. Put the trust at the center. Um, uh, you build up trust over time as a brand. More people will listen to you than otherwise would. You build up trust in the avenues that you use to, to get information to consumers. Uh, you know, other people, influencers, and you'll have more people that are doing more effective work to guide consumers to your brand on your behalf. Trust, 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 first and foremost. And then the other thing is it turns out that the people who are most knowledgeable about your products are most knowledgeable about how to use them and, and what experiences they create for consumers are the best people to get feedback from about, well, how should I evolve my products? How should I build them differently? How should I talk about them differently? Uh, they're the people who can teach brands how to be better uh, at what they do. Absolutely. And so, you know, for those that are listening that may be on the marketing side, if they don't have an influencer program, what's sort of the first thing you tell them? This is what I recommend you do to make a decision if it works for you, doesn't work, you know, carve some money away. Like if there was one thing that they could do to just begin the journey, what would you say? Yeah. So look, first you have to know and you have to decide that uh, money and resources and time you were spending on speaking on your own behalf, traditional advertising. You need to be shifting, not uh, uh, all at once. It's Of course, there's a place for advertising and there will always will be, but you need to be shifting the balance to getting other people to speak on your behalf. And if you're going to do that well, you need to think about who are the people who are going to be best at speaking on my behalf. Um, are they influencers? Are they retail sales associates? Are they professionals in the category? Are they friends and family? Um, who are they? How do I get them to be more articulate about my brand, recommend me better? And where are those recommendations going to show up? Where's that influence going to take hold 
in ways that matter most to my brand. Okay, now I'm someone who has influencer marketing and I'm getting pressure from those around, maybe, you know, up or sideways, right? Is that the right use of spend? What could they do to get people to understand the the ROI and benefit? Because one of the things I often hear is that it's a it's a squishy one. Sometimes it's really hard, right? And 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 executives who have, you know, if you only have a dollar to spend, are you going to spend it somewhere where you can really see the hard metric? Or are you going to spend it somewhere where you trust the fact that it's going to deliver you results? And depending on who your leaders are, you may get very different answers. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> so, right. That's exactly right. right. Influencer marketing, advocacy marketing is in the early days of the dilemma that advertising uh, went through years ago. Well, how do I know if this is working and, and how do I know where it's working? People are, go- are already getting better at thinking about it and they will get better. But the fundamentals are the people I'm relying on, how effectively are they driving sales outcomes, real purchase behavior? Start with that. Think next about, am I making them and the results they'll produce better or worse by the activity I'm doing? How much better are they getting when I'm tapping into them at driving results for me. And um, uh, how many of them are there? What's the combined effect of that? And uh, that that's like, if you break it down just by pieces, um, you can get pretty uh, uh, detailed about return on investment. The, the pitfall is don't overly obsess about return on investment in the short term, because if you do things to drive a whole bunch of results in the short term at the expense of trust, at the expense of your brand, uh, uh, you can really screw this up like you can really screw things up with, you know, a bad ad spend or or, or, uh, a misplaced marketing representation of your brand. Um, So avoid the pitfalls and uh, invest judiciously. If you do it correctly, though, this is the most efficient investment brands can make in in, uh, what would otherwise be advertising and marketing. Well, that's a great, th- those are some great nuggets. I hope those, you know, uh, marketers that, that are listening in or even brands that are even people on the sales side, you know, even integrating that kind of influencer into the sales uh, effort. And I mean that from a quota bearing sales rep perspective. I don't mean it from a, you know, just selling online with no touch. I think there's great opportunity there as well. Right on. Uh, yeah. And so so as we kind of come to the end of our time together, which it always goes so fast, um, I, I kind of end on a couple of questions. One is, uh, if you could have, you've been doing this a long time, you've met a lot of people, you've been, you know, part of some of the fastest growing companies, um, you know, on the internet and in, in, in some categories that are still obviously very, very strong. If you could have dinner with anyone or a number of people, you know, here or no longer here to have a conversation about, you know, cool stuff. Who would that be? Gosh, there's so many people I love (laughs) that. uh, uh, Right now, I think that the stuff that Bezos has done, I think the stuff that Benioff has done, I think that the stuff that a few people have done where they really have dedicated themselves to solving a problem over decades that it's so obvious it's a problem and they're doing so much to solve it. That Those are the people that I, they're, they're heroes. And I, I, uh, I learn from every day if I can. 
All right. Fantastic. And, you know, thanks for giving the shout out to, to my CEO. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, then the last thing is kind of what's next for you? What's next for Tom? What's the next thing for you? And kind of how can people who have listened in, I think that you're just have rich with this information, especially around influencer marketing. And how can people kind of keep in touch with what Tom is doing and, and what do you have next on the horizon for you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm so focused on this helping consumers make better buying decisions with the recommendations, trusted recommendations from people who really are more knowledgeable, really are more experienced, and therefore can make better recommendations. That, that is a, uh, a fundamental challenge of our time. In a world with so many choices and so much noise, consumers need better help deciding what to buy. And brands can tap into it well uh, and help consumers benefit from it, or they they can't and they'll die. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be stuck on this and, and working on it for a while. And that's what Expert Voice is all about. We're really focused on helping consumer product companies uh, grow and thrive through recommendations that help consumers decide what to buy. And so reach out to me at Expert Voice, follow us on uh, uh, Expert Voice channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, uh, Instagram, and uh We'll keep doing this, solving this problem together. Well, great. Well, thank you, Tom, for spending some time with us on the What's Next podcast. It's really been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, I hope everybody decides to dig a little deeper into influencer marketing because of this. So grateful to get to talk with you. Thanks so much. What a great conversation with Tom. It's so fantastic to have somebody come on What's Next that has been in the transitions of so many industries with his time at Ticketmaster, his time as the CEO of Ancestry.com, and now really trying to drive the conversation around influencer marketing, which I think is a huge opportunity for us. He gave great nuggets of advice to those that are just starting their journey on influencer marketing, those that are in the middle of it. But at the end of the day, he feels like this is the next great frontier. So for those of you in marketing, I hope you found this really interesting and fascinating. For those of you who were interested in the ancestry story, I found it great about talking about the DNA of robots. But ultimately, it's always fun to get new thinking on the What's Next podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, and I appreciate you spending a little time with me today. 